In a not-so-stable world, it is crucial to amplify the right message. At the Stream Grace Network, our goal is to do just that. We are adding to our stable of podcasters every month, and we are growing. This is where you come in. We want to share in that growth. If you are a small business owner looking to grow your business, we'd love it if you'd consider allowing one of our podcasters to endorse you, your products, or services. The best part is that endorsement will never stop running in any episode it is a part of, ever. This is a unique and rare benefit in digital advertising. We want everything we do to be uplifting and to encourage positive growth. And we'd love to partner with you. For more information, visit us online at StreamGrace.com or email us at support at StreamGrace.com. God bless. corner of the digital universe prepare to dive deep get real get close and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know i am jeremy griffin and these are my conversations so grab a coffee and get comfortable here we go you're listening to the stream grace network yep thanks for joining us on this episode yep that's that's what I'm going to say now. Um, man, I'm excited about today's guest. Uh, if you're listening to my other podcast, The Spiritually Wounded, um, you've already heard him if you're a religious listener to it. Um, but if you are not, this is um, my uh, one, two, three, my fourth son. First, I don't know. Well, not for, I don't know. This is uh, my, this is Paul. <laughs> I mean, technically, if you count, if you count the the time frame is the weird the, part. It's, if you count the first three, I'm the I'm the baby of the first set. You're exactly you're because, the, you're my middle middle child. Because it's yeah it's which is you know it makes sense because it'd be Chris Jared me <laughs> right? Gabe Noah Jacob. gosh yeah so, totally yeah I got a whole bunch of kids now okay so yeah Paul Ellis we'll clarify that later. Uh, Paul is not my biological son correct <laughs> and. Yes. Uh, uh, he is not without his own biological parents. In fact, I just spoke with his father on the phone a few minutes ago because we're also friends. Um, but yeah, Paul Paul has been in my life since he was like 10 or 11. Somewhere in there. Yeah. How I mean, old are you now? I'm 38. Great. 38. I hate to hear that. but Why? Because cause that what that does to me. It puts you at the same age difference between us that has always been. That is exactly right. <laughs> Math has never been my strong suit. So I, I know it makes you feel like hearing when someone else is older right. or, you know, closer to where you are that you think, gosh, I know. Am, am I that old? It's so weird. And it's really that you're not. It's, you know. Well, it's, it's like, it's like for I would assume like Gabe is for you, my oldest biological son. Because right. Gabe... I mean, he, you know, he lives on his own. He's 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 a an adult. Yeah, like and that's got to be weird for you. Fully functioning like uh, no, no, don't go too far. Okay, okay. <laughs> Contributing to I only say that society. I'm listening. Yeah, somewhat uh but like I mean gosh, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking like I remember 
like just gay being a little kid. I mean, so much more so, and we'll probably dive into it a little bit, but just because like there was a time frame I lived with you. Right. Like legitimately live with you. Like I know we do the whole joking on the sun thing, but like legit, like. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So. And we don't talk about Noah because Noah doesn't listen to the podcast. Well, and so he's like, the the, you ever watch those, the YouTube channels where, where there's like, it's families, right? Right. But there's usually like one sibling that's never included. And every once in a while you'll hear them referenced or you'll see like a foot in the camera. Mm hmm. That's who Noah is. He's like that sibling that isn't on the show. It's like Ozzy Osbourne's <laughs> oldest daughter. That's exactly like it. Like, no one knows that she exists. Right. And here's the funny part. She is, in her own right, a pretty, pretty good musician and songwriter. Should be. I mean... I mean, it's Ozzy. It's the frickin' Prince of Darkness. <laughs> as it were. I mean, not the official yeah. Prince of Darkness, like, not the colloquial yeah. Prince of Darkness, but, you know... Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, um, I, there's a lot of interesting to me and, and maybe not to anybody else, but there's a lot of interesting things, um, about our relationship and, and we'll get into those, but let's just start with the early years when you were in love with Winnie Cooper, <laughs> the, the wonder years. Indeed. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I mean, who didn't have a crush on Winnie? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Hey, listen, she's a brain man. She's a physicist. In real life. Did you know that? I did not. The The actress who played Winnie Cooper is a real life, like, rocket scientist or whatever. That's funny, because I, like, I think so, so is the actress who played Blossom. Is yes. Like, she's like a neuroscientist. Yes. And there was an episode of The Big Bang Theory they were both on. Wow. I Now, see, I haven't, and I'm a Big Bang Theory fan, but I have not watched all seasons. Yes, yeah, I so. haven't either. I, I gave up after a certain point. It was too much for me. Yeah. You know I what agree. I mean? You're just I like, totally eh, okay, you're smart. And right. Well, there's lots of puns. and cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So, uh, yeah, early years. <laughs> Dude, Rabbit Trail City. Oh, man, I'm telling you. So, I mean, where, like, where do we want to go? Like, how, like, Well, I don't early... care at all about your life before I was in it. So, well, like... <laughs> <laughs> That is, uh, <laughs> yes, that's, I mean, that's, I think not entirely that's how most of us feel about anyone. Like, Hey, I'm glad that your parents are screwed up, but can we just talk about how we met in 10th grade type <laughs> yeah, of thing? Exactly. You know? So no. So, okay. Um, and, and if you listen to the other podcast, you know this, but we'll touch on it again. So, um, I, I went to school with your older brother, right. Who's only a couple of years older than you, I guess. Well, it's like, no, seven. no. Yeah. Well, yeah. I went to school with him. So hello. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Seven years older. Um, and uh, we I, we had a math class together, and we talked through math class. Um, uh, Jason, love that guy. So, um, and at that time when we were in high school, um, you guys lived right behind me. You were my back neighbor. Yeah, um, sure defense shared line. defense line. Yeah, and uh, didn't know that for years, even though I was friends with Jason. Like I knew he got off on the bus, but I didn't know really where he was. Right, <laughs> it was so weird. So anyway, uh, years later. Um, I went to work at a church in Choctaw, Oklahoma, where we were going to high school. Um, and, and that's really where our relationship began. Um, and that, uh, with your dad, uh, cause he and I shared an office together. Right. Um, he was, I was 19. He was in his fifties. I don't know how old, but yeah. So yeah, he had me by 30 years. I don't know the math on that, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. It was fun though, because, um, if it was only that was the only difference, it would still be fun, right? If right. it was just the fact that there was 30 years between us. But um, he's an African-American man. 
I was a 19 year old uh, kid, white yeah. guy, and that just had its own dynamic. It was so fun. I, I because and it, you know because to me when I think of your dad, he represents to me the African American culture in its most authentic as I would re- as I remembered it, if that makes any sense right, as a kid, right. right? So like, um, just even in presentation in the church and stuff. I mean, things that I think are just awesome. But the thing that I loved about your dad. Uh, and still do. I mean, we, we had that a, a good 30 minute conversation. I really enjoyed our talk, but, um, he's real, he's authentic and there's no, um, putting on of any kind of fraudulent fake anything. <laughs> he's just who he is. Right. Yeah, no, totally. And for knowing that, just knowing who my dad is, I mean, my, my dad's pretty straightforward. Um, I mean, it's like you said, I mean, there's nothing that comes with a lot of different, whatever. It's like, Hey, this is who I am. This, you get what you get type of thing. So we had, we ate lunch almost every day together. He and I, um, a lot of times we'd go out with the pastor as well, but, um, but even when that stopped, cause the pastor used to take us out and buy our lunch every day, which I thought was really great. Um, but eventually that stopped and it was a fun conversation. <laughs> he, he said, so, uh, I was talking with my wife and, uh, we probably shouldn't keep doing this. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so your dad and I would go out and man, I don't know. I just, I, I learned so much from your dad that I didn't know I learned. You know what I mean? Right. Um, just great conversations anyway. But what happened in all that? Like we, yeah, we worked together. He was in Christian education. I was in, uh, uh worship and you and, um, Jared and Chris, uh, were the guys, right? So I'm, I'm 19, 20 years old. You guys are like 12, 13 as we're yeah. growing up somewhere in there. So by the time you hit that 13, 14 range, I'm 20, 21, um, married, don't have kids yet. Right. Um, and so like, I'm kind of like this older brother guy. Oh, definitely. Definitely. older. And I'm living guy. right next door to the church, right? Oh yeah. Like, so it's like, let's come over to the house. I've got the PlayStation going. I mean, know. I mean. Let's just say, it's like a I mean, if the pastor can be taking you out to lunch every day and the church has technically three parsonages, right? <laughs> three. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was true. And, I mean, and it's own pond, but man, I mean, you're just, yeah. For, so for us, you came along and definitely, I think we had this thing where there were some older people, I say older, they were late teens, early twenties, kind of really leading the charge as far as like Mm -hmm. what the youth group looked like in the church and doing a lot of stuff. We didn't have, I wouldn't say even like, I mean, it was the nineties. So there wasn't like it is today, you know, everything today is like so organized when it comes to ministry. Oh yeah. Like back then it was like, Hey, you're older than these kids. You're a leader. Right. And it was just kind of like common knowledge. It wasn't like, hey, you get a cool T-shirt and we got to huddle before right. anyone else gets here. And, you know, you guys greet parents and do all the sign. Here's our stuff. strategy. Yeah. No, like yeah. there was our strategy was like, hey, uh, are you going to be here? Yeah. Like show up. <laughs> um, we're going to play basketball when all this is over. So move all the chairs and then like, let's just have fun. And our youth pastor is going to like walk around in this circle of chairs and like mm-hmm. give us a message. And we're going to be like, this is great. Well, you know, what was weird for me. So I, this was my first foray into full-time ministry, but I'd come from a youth group leading worship. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm 19. So I'm like just out of youth group, like a year. Right. Um, and so when I started over there, the adult band that I was now in charge of didn't. Okay. Well, so like there were, 
really two or three people that I can remember when I started. Now, we had some other adults come on later, um, like Mike Watt. Love Mike Watt. Anyway, uh, I don't know if you even listen to the don't podcast. You, but don't you be talking about Cherry Kaufman like that. Don't you do it. I'm not going to talk negative about Cherry. <laughs> no, I'm just but yeah, kidding. But Cherry was, was oh, a staple. Y- right. And so, and man, you know what? Here, I will give her mad props because she she was the quintessential uh, church pianist, right? Oh, yeah, You know, definitely. the bouncy, I don't know how to describe it. But she tried so hard to change, and I'm not even asking her to, right? Right, no. She's yeah. asking me, how do I do this? And, you know, what? how old would she have been at that time? I mean, 60? Uh, yeah, at least, maybe. So she's talking to a 20-year-old? Oh, yeah, and she's like, oh, I'm... Sweet as could be, man. Definitely. So I say that just to say, though, like the drummer, and I don't remember his name, and I don't... It's, calling it's him, really weird because I'm younger and I do. And I remember these faces. Don't so. don't say his name because I'm going to say some awful things. <laughs> no, that's fine. He was not. He should have never been called a drummer. So this experience that I had, it's like I came in and and he was like, I don't even know how to explain this, Paul. Like, what did he do? He, he would just speed up and then stop and reset because he was just he would go do good, do good, do good, do good. Yeah, it was definitely so weird. It was one. It was like the speed was go. It was like turning on a light switch. That's all you had, and And then he turned it off, and then turned it right back. Right, like in the middle of just whatever, he just stopped playing to kind of reset. It was the strangest thing, and I was like, "Well, (laughs) I don't, I don't have any idea what to do with this." So I'm like, "You want to play percussion?" You know what's Which funny is, the is joke for so long. I think I remember like he had what I remember I I remember the brand and I want to say I feel like they were some white pearl drums. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. And uh I remember when we actually made this transition cuz I don't know why for whatever reason somehow I was like I was at the church the day he came and got his drums. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Like that solidified the like I, I, I won't be drumming here, right? Type oh of thing. yeah, and, and it was like, especially at my age, I was on such a level of I don't care. Oh yeah, definitely. And and it, and it had I will say this too. It, it yeah, I was a I'm really immature. I mean, I, I don't know if I was really mature. I was twenty, whatever yeah, I mean, that you're, equates yeah, you're, to. You you're know, a kid. But I think the other thing is, man, he was so arrogant, and I was it was beyond my understanding and comprehension that a person who was so clearly bad at what they were doing could be so arrogant about what they're doing. You know, but I think here's the thing. I don't know that it was about his like actually ability to play. Mm-hmm. When I look back on it and now I can see it cuz I've walked through steps of different things in leadership, it really comes about like it's it's about real estate that he will no longer be able to Right. And so obviously out of that not wanting to say if I already occupy the real estate, then maybe what I should do is I could take a little constructive criticism. And if I'm the guy like, Hey, you know what? Like get better. Yeah. And then <laughs> out of that, which was so weird because there was it, just zero hope for him. Well, and in that transition, what was so funny is like how it, I think with you coming in is like all of us who were there saw this little bit of this light of like, we may make a shift of not, not a huge shift. You know, I don't, yeah, I, it wasn't like we were about to become Hillsong, no, by any means. But it was definitely this thing of like we could see that where we were and what we were under was going to shift to something that was going to have like a little bit of younger life and vibrance to it. And I think what was so interesting with that is you mentioned Chris, you mentioned Jared, um, us even being younger than 
those people who are right. actually probably going to make that transition or right. help make that transition. The future of that. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, um, it was really, it was just really something to, to watch because we thought whatever step that they took, it was just going to be like, if they hit the ceiling, okay, that's the floor for us. I mean, honestly, yeah. not to be whatever, like we jokingly would say like between the three of us, like, you know, we're going to be this Christian band that comes oh, yeah. out of this small, whatever. How and, could you have not said that? You're, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, first of all, it was like, we were the nineties. We were young. Yeah. Our it's whole the most f- stereotypical thing in the world to do anyway. Uh, I mean, and then we have the demographic of like, we were borderline the instrument and band version. DC of, talk. Oh, yes. Like it was, <laughs> exactly. we were straight up two honks and a Negro, like no lie. My best friends, uh, just knowing them. And it was like, one was a drummer. One was a guitarist. I played bass. Um, thank you very much for that. <laughs> and uh, just getting to the point where I think we were learning and growing and we had such a a drive. Not that it was on purpose at all, but I think what we ended up doing was kind of driving even people that were ahead of us that like, they started to do that same thing. They had a little bit of the real territorial. Estate. Yeah. yeah. And then what happened was, um, but we had a drive to like, we wanted it to be good. Mm-hmm. We wanted it to be worship because like our hearts were, we were there with that first. Like if we're going to do anything, let it be not about right. us. And then what pushed us to want to make it be great and be good was the fact that we were like, like, who are we doing this for? Mm-hmm. And so as we transition into those things, I gosh, I just remember like, can you remember, could you imagine you're, like you're on a mostly adult team of praise and worship people and just like, I couldn't, I mean, I just remember thinking and hearing even from my dad, the kind of stuff that you would get like as far as because like Jared or Chris or myself, I mean, it was like. Chris would play with his sleeves rolled up, his tie undone, oh, yeah. and the collar undone. Jared wouldn't wear <laughs> yeah. a tie. We had the, yeah, because the dress code and such. Yeah. Well, before we get too far ahead in this, what I wanted to say, and, and anybody who knows me, and you especially will know this, that for me to say there's no hope for somebody as a musician, man, that you've got to oh. be oh, yeah. really horrible. Yeah, like yeah, just terrible. Like the worst, not even all, the worst of the people on American Idol who don't make it. You have to be a little worse than them for me to say that, because I'm telling you, man, it, it's there's a there's a point where you're like, man, you're not even on the same planet as I, as any oh. of us are, you know. But the thing that I saw, I say all that to say that was that was the extent of the adult band. So me coming in, I'm immediately, you know, I go to youth group one night, and you know, Ty is the youth pastor, and and I meet him, and I love Ty. I mean, we're still friends today. It's been a million years, but. Um, but there's a youth band. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why in the world? Like, why are we not using these people? Right. Yeah. And I just was like, uh, I'm going to do that. Because, I mean, um, we're just Nathan was up, the drummer. Yeah, we're just shut in up there in that upper room, brother. Like, I tell you what, man. So, yeah, we 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 quickly escalated to a pretty cool band, I thought. Um, I fa- I've got a cassette tape. Oh, wow. Of a recording somewhere in my closet. Um, of one of those early services there. And it, it's weird. I I can't even play it. Like I don't have a way of playing it right now and I haven't transferred it over to digital, but um, I had a little cassette player that I got from my grandma when she passed um, 
a while back. I mean, it was in my possession. It wasn't mine, but it was in my possession. And I played it for a second. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is weird. But <clears throat> yeah, so I got in that, got the youth band and now the youth are doing the adult service or doing the main service. And you know, I'm just, I'm now in my element because this is what I've been doing at that point. I've, you know, it's not like I was a veteran, but I'd been, you know, leading youth worship for about three years at that point. So, uh, working with, you know, now young people, but then also young adults, like that 20 something crowd, right? Mm -hmm. Mandy and Kara and all those folks. Um, which technically Kara was just a teen. Yeah, that's true. She was, that's right. She she hung out with them. She was in that group, but yeah, she was younger. So, so all that. Okay. You know, we'll fast forward a little bit because we've spent 20 minutes reminiscing, which is fine. Right. You and I can do that. Um, No, but I think as we, you know, we spend a lot of time doing music together, doing worship together. And then I leave. Right. So I I I feel uh, led to go do something different and uh, still working at a church. But I didn't know that when I left. And um, and we lost contact for I mean, because we because cell phones were there, but they weren't ubiquitous. And I don't know if you guys even had them. Well, and I think from there it was like. There's no social media. That didn't no, yeah. Exist. The, so the transition that happens leaves obviously not not even just from a, a musical standpoint. I think we could like we we weathered that storm musically. Mm-hmm. It was the like like I remember some of those last few services that like you and Lori came and like Gabe is just still in a you know car yeah. seat. Yeah, he was. It was less than because we had Noah a year later. And we had already transitioned out. So he was less than a year old. So just definitely being in a place where for us, there was that void of like, I think what we felt like was like, who even cares about us Mm. anymore? Because I think what you end up walking in when you were there and you, like you said, we made this transition with young adults and people who are musicians and being involved was totally just more along the lines of it being like, I think it helped you kind of settle in because like you said, you came out of an element where you were already kind of doing that. But then over here it was like, well, this is nothing like where I came from. Mm. But then you, you made that transition. There were people were getting involved where it was like, you could feel the synergy within that group of people. Like, I mean, like I've never known, like I tell people all the time, like our youth group is so tight knit. Like it's ridiculous. Like Mm -hmm. how crazy, like, I mean, gosh, we're talking about like just hang out, Ty and Julie's house and pool and you know getting invited to my first Monopoly game and winning might I say <laughs> that was really cool and uh, then just all kinds of different things that were in the transition and then obviously I mean you guys just being led how you felt God was leading you you make a transition so on that back end like you said yeah we lost a little bit of contact but it was definitely something for us that I think it had that not that transition like that didn't happen it wouldn't have forced Chris and Jared and myself to have to grow musically in a lot of different areas, especially right. in leading. Right. Yeah. Um, without someone who not, you know, it's, it's one thing where you have a leader who says, Hey, come on, we're going. And it's another thing. Then if that leader transitions, then they're gone. And then you have to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And like really learn to lead people. I mean, we were put in a position where, I mean, you have to remember like at one time we had a, a keyboardist slash band leader type person and he's borderline a genius himself leonard yeah awesome but, dude but like leonard would tell you straight up like he was just not gonna probably be the front type person mm-hmm. um and not borderline genius 
genius. genius. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> definitely. Like, yeah, definitely genius. I mean, anyone who teaches himself to play the guitar left-handed for the mental whatever. Challenge yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. just. I just and, felt like I'd learn how to play left-handed. And I was like, okay, so. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and so that's what it ended up being for for us and in that. So in that time frame, that ended up, yeah, we lost contact. And then I don't even know what actually. Cause I it, remember when you guys reached back out to me. I remember it like it was yesterday because it was, um, I, I don't know if Jared had passed by then. I passed away. I don't, I don't remember for sure. I think he may have by the, the time that. It was after, in fact, it was. It was about a year or so after that that you and Chris reached out to me. We had we had gotten back in touch every once in a while in that time frame, but you and you and Chris reached out to me and uh, and just said, "Hey, we want to we want to say hi <laughs> or something like that." We ended up meeting at like IHOP and hanging out. Do you remember any of that? I kind of because I mean I feel like, but there was like some time there that was in there between, was some, like yeah even before, and that's where I'm like I'm really trying to fill that gap. So. Cause yeah, I mean, Jared passed and then Chris and I were doing oddly enough, some worship stuff again together. Cause I think now he was back from California. Yeah. A side note, Chris is, is both of our claim to fame, uh, right? Cause he's your friend. He's my friend too, but you know, and that just that other capacity, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, but Chris, you know, went off and played with uh skillet for a long time. Uh, yeah, I Traveled mean, tour, tour guitarist for sure. And I mean, fun fact, uh, he is married to Corey Cooper's little sister. Right. So John and Corey Cooper are his brother and sister or sister and brother-in-law. Right. And so. Um, and then he's got, he is an incredible, talented, successful musician right now still. Oh yeah, has his own band. Him and right. his wife front uh, the Spark Music. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the touring, and I forget her name, but she ended up being the drummer for Skillet. Right, end up doing her own solo thing. He was her tour guitarist. Um, yeah, he. That, but before all like, that, yeah. before I mean, all that, yeah. if he if he ever <laughs> is listening, I, Chris and I started a little band. Exactly. Well, that's my whole point. You guys thought you were going to be rock stars. Chris just blew you off and left you for dead. What? <laughs> True, but not true. Like, how do you argue with someone who tells you that they're going to go, like, take all the steps, even at that age, just full well? Right. I mean, I remember Chris telling me to my, you know, I say to my face, like, it's a, like, <laughs> you know, it was a big deal. But, like, no, we had this conversation of him telling me, like, he never saw himself wanting to work in a capacity that just, like, tied him down to mm-hmm. something when he knew if he would go cultivate what was in his heart, it eventually would have to come to pass for him. Yeah. So oh, I he mean, worked, man. Oh, and here's the thing. Yeah. Like the hardest that was, was for me just because it was like, we had lost Jared. Mm-hmm. Then you have a friend who's gone. He's, you know, by way of even before that, I mean, Chris, I think, you know, the thing for skillet ends up kind of setting him up, uh, by doing everything he did going to team media and wrong. Exactly. Right. I mean, he was playing guitar on tour for all the uh, acquire the fire. Like, and and we know how big that that used to be. So, well, and then he went to the Kenosha, Wisconsin for the school. Right. That's where he met his wife. Right. Her dad was the pastor of the church and he gets involved. I remember it was so funny because I did not know, uh, that's who her in-laws were. Oh, or, you know, that His, was, yeah. yeah. And so when I get invited to this wedding and I go 
And I just remember like rehearsal dinner and I'm like, I know that like this gruffy voice and this dude. And I'm like, where do I know him from? (laughs) And then they're leaving talking about they're going to band practice. And I was like, hey, what? Like, is your friend in a band? And he was like, well, that's about to be my that's my brother and sister-in-law. That's John and Corey. And I'm like. Okay, you say John and Corey like I'm supposed to know. I mean, and not to whatever like <laughs> right. I don't. I wasn't at the time listening to. I'm well, and I, and I don't know how you are. I'm not the kind of guy that knows the name of the band, right? Guys, like I know the name of the band, but not the people in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and especially this is like we're talking. I mean, I maybe it existed. I'm not for sure, but like we like you said, cell phone, social media. Yeah. There was no streaming services really. There was nothing that'd be like, Oh, let me just Wikipedia. Like these names of people. It was like, so, okay. And then when he was like, Oh no, like they're the people who front skillet. I was like, yeah. Like I just had a 30 minute conversation. (laughs) And then I'm trying to think like, what did I say? Am I an idiot? You know, is this guy like, Hey, what's up with my new brother-in-law's friend? Like he's real weird, but no, like just great people. And And so I got to see how he kind of surrounded himself. Um, by falling in love. Right. right. And so it's, <laughs> it's really cool. And I think for us, like that's what we had even in our relationship with different things. So to segue. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Like back up a little bit to, I alluded even earlier on in the conversation about like, you know, I lived with you. Right. So it was like, we went through a time period of like our closeness, um, just came about out of an era of time that like transition happened. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we like, we roll through different things in, in our lives that like somehow we just always end up linking back up just because we've, we've gone through these different transitions. And when you know that there are certain people who are, they're there, they're kind of staples They're you know, they're bricks in the mortar for what your life is. You've been that for me. Um, Chris has been that for me. So it's like, those are things that no matter the the time, the space, you always come back to because you're like, man, and not because you take it for granted, because you're just like, man, that's it's just solid. Right. And so that's what that's what that's been. And for us and just life, I think, you know, you like you said, we mentioned that kind of you really stepped in and like a, a big brother capacity and role for a lot of us. Um my two closest friends growing up for sure. I mean, we could even throw in a couple more guys if you count. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. You know, if you added like uh Kyle or Roman, Roman just like, yeah. just people that like, we were this little, you know, ragtag group of dudes and we needed someone to just point us in a direction, man. Like we were like, Hey, we don't care, mm-hmm. you know? So I had a lot of fun when you were living with us. So, um, this this was it, it, so many interesting stories came out of that, and I'm not going to tell the one that I know you don't like, so don't worry about that. Which, um, one, which one is that? <laughs> the Seven Eleven story. I love that story. I feel like you don't like that story. I love that story. I love that. I story. hated the moment. Uh, de- definitely so. <laughs> hated the moment, but I I love telling the story. Uh, the, the story is so amazing because it just I th- you know not that our friendship wasn't already at a great level, but it's like <laughs> it just it it deepened in right. that moment. So. I don't even know how to tell. I don't know how we can tell that story and not get banned. Um, I mean, this is my own network, so I guess I wouldn't get banned. But I mean, we have to do it appropriately. Is that even possible? Okay, so (laughs) we're hanging out. We're going to try. I'm I'm living with you. Okay, well, first off, we are coming back. You are living with me, but we're coming back from an OU game. 
the spring game, right? Were we? Yeah, spring game. And you're not, you weren't an OU fan at the time. You were an OSU fan. I'm not saying you are now. I'm just saying you were, you I were can, definitely. I, I can, you, you know, my, my niece goes to OU and I, you know, I root. Okay. See, that's fair. So, Still but, Texas, but you got but, you me know. into the spring game for some reason. I'm not sure how that happened. Or maybe you said, Hey, do you want to go or whatever? So we went to the spring game. Right. And we're coming back. Now we're living in a neighborhood that in our part of town isn't really the best neighborhood. Right. Um, like I remember when I, we moved in. You know what's funny? Hmm. I think about that and I'm like, that neighborhood isn't the best neighborhood if you don't live in that neighborhood. Exactly. But when you're in the neighborhood, it's and you're a part, great neighborhood. It's a great neighborhood yes. and probably the safest place I've, I've ever. That's felt. what I was about to say. When we <laughs> when we were because we were looking at buying the house that we were in, we were mm-hmm. doing the lease thing. And so when we looked up this, you know, crime tracker online, it was it may have been an app. Probably not. Anyway, we look it up and all these little dots represent like crimes. Right. Right. That neighborhood, no dots. Everything just outside of the neighborhood surrounded by dots. Right. <laughs> and so I told told my wife, I was like, well, I actually think the neighborhood will be great. <laughs> it's just, you know, maybe the crime is originating from the neighborhood. I don't know. Everyone's doing it outside and then coming and home. And coming home. Yeah, exactly. So. They're just going to work. I don't know yeah. what we're griping about. Exactly. So <laughs> so anyway, I, what's funny is I was never afraid or anything like that. You right. know, it was just, just where we were. Because to your point, if you're in the neighborhood, you're in the neighborhood. Right. And this is one of the things I, I never felt... Um, it was probably, I don't know this, but it was probably predominant, uh, minorities in that area, but I never felt discriminated against or anything like that. Like, and you know, the the funny part is like, I say that, but I feel like I only ever saw like two or three neighbors. That's precisely my point. Like the only reason that it's like the seven 11, the seven 11 to me became the demographic of the neighborhood because it was right there. Um, but yeah, as far as people being, it's not like people were out. Oh no. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to pick this back up. So we're at the 7-Eleven. Yes. Go ahead. So um, we stop in. We're going to get a drink. And all I remember was, <laughs> I don't even know like how this sprang up in me. Because it wasn't like, like I said, there's no social media. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, this is a challenge. This was not a challenge. I, I originated something. Did you, that's what I was going to ask before you even say, did you just come up with this literally on the spot? Yes. That is amazing. Now, obviously you're going to censor the word. Yes. Oh, totally. Okay, good. Go ahead. So we're uh, we're talking, like you know, walk to the coolers, grab our drinks. We're talking. I think we're kind of discussing the game or whatever. And I lean over to Jeremy. <laughs> this is like <laughs> it's so funny to me because I can't even believe I did this, but I can because no, if you know my personality, you know, like I'm, I'm. This is me. So anyway, I lean over to Jeremy, who, if you don't know, like you said, I'm African American, and Jeremy is. A white guy. I'm Hispanic, Asian, but I look white. I don't know if that's true. That's right. I, I just don't know. I just don't know my dad at oh. all. So I'm sitting there going, I mean, I could, totally could be. That. Right. Totally. So anyway, go ahead. So yeah, Jeremy looks all of everything that is not African-American. <laughs> and in that moment, I lean over to him and kind of whisper, hey, do you have problems or is, is it a problem that you're friends with a, an insert N word? Right. And Jeremy looks at me like, <laughs> like just knowing me, I think like 
first I, I think he didn't even like, it didn't even register for him for like me to just use the word. Cause like he knows me. So right, it was yeah. like, it wouldn't have been a thing of like, Oh my gosh, Paul, why are you talking like that? It was just a thing of like, he said, then we're no big deal. Like he's black, whatever. He's my friend. Like, like no, I'm, I don't have a problem with that. So immediately. Well, well now here's the thing too. You got to understand my perspective is what? Yeah. Like, dude, you live with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I trust me, I set this up. So it's a huge setup. And like he said, we live in an area that for all that we know is, I mean, completely everyone either looks like me or is some shade variation of what I look like right? Um, on whatever edge of the spectrum. And in the store, I mean, the, the guy in front of us is a black guy in the store, uh, the clerk, the other people in the store. I mean, I was the only white guy yeah, in the I, store. I'm pretty that sure. Is, I am 100% sure. I remember that very clearly. <laughs> okay. So Jeremy is, you know, for lack of better terms in this scenario, the minority. Very and, much so And I, I took advantage of that. So I thought it was hilarious. So like I said, I lean over to Jeremy. I say, hey, do you have problems being friends with the N-word? Um, Jeremy looks at me like, what? Like, No. And then immediately following, without even a hesitation of a pause or anything, as we're moving up in line, I said, so you're calling me the N-word? And I just remember- Super loud. Like, I remember, I think Jeremy, I don't, if he was buying the drinks or whatever, it was to the point of however they were getting paid for, as I'm dying laughing, he slaps the card or the money down and was like, I'm going to the car. And he just like beelines out of there. Oh, dude. And so- I'm laughing and then I'm looking at the clerk and just like smiling, laughing. The clerk kind of starts laughing and everyone's looking at me like, and I just remember the guy that was kind of in front of us as he sidestepped was like, oh, bro, that's cold. <laughs> yeah. All I know is, is I'm walk, I'm sitting there going, what just happened? And I walk outside and I look through the glass at everyone laughing. Oh, yeah. It was, and I'm like, it was a good you know time. what? Screw you guys. It was a good time. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I got one over on, on my white friend in the middle uh. of... You know, the hood at seven. And I mean, that, and you know what? I'm still here. Yeah. I mean, we're still, all still here. You know, the only thing that didn't make it over there was the nice. Um, yeah. Area. The, the club. Ne- ne- yeah. Next to. <laughs> I, it's like, how many times did that place get shut down while we were there? I don't know. It's crazy. So. I, so I have, I have one story from that neighborhood that I thought was hilarious. And th- this again, illustrating my um, pure pureness and being totally naive to things um pure hmm. <laughs> i'm just let's just go with naive <laughs> about about specifically about race stuff right oh, like cool. yeah so what's funny to me is um two things one um Lori told me this because one day um you were coming in we all kind of got there about the same time or something um i don't remember how it was but basically I'm walking in and I might as well be like Poindexter with glasses and with tape because the the kids, right? We had the basketball goal. Yeah. And we had the little kids that would come over and play basketball. <laughs> I and, remember. And they just totally ignored me mm-hmm. and they would only talk to you. <laughs> and and it was like I think everyone was really, really confused about what was going on at our house. Because you know, we'd all walk in and and again, they would never talk to me and I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? <laughs> you know, I felt a little dejected, but, but here's why. So one day, and I don't, I don't know if you were there at that time. You may have been at work or something. Anyway, the doorbell rings and there's a kid there. He had to have been, I don't know, maybe, maybe eight, 
yeah. little, little black kid. He's got a basketball in his hand. And I'm, I, he, he said, and I'm going to, I'm going to do the, the accent and voice that he had because yeah, it's, right it's incredibly crucial to the story. He said, he said, you got kids. And I, I said, yeah, <laughs> this is, this is one of the most embarrassing realities ever. <laughs> he said, he said, they got gang. <laughs> <laughs> he's eight and he says it just like that they got game and i i didn't quite understand i said what because I, I just didn't understand what he said they got game <laughs> and i said like monopoly <laughs> and he looked at me like i had snakes crawling out of my face he's like what and i went oh no, they don't play basketball or something like that. I don't remember how I said it, but I just thought, oh my gosh, like I'm so, I'm so naive to all <laughs> straight. Up, I mean, brownie paper towel, white brother. Dude, I'm telling you, like, it was, it was funny though. I mean, I laughed, I laughed so hard when I replayed it in my mind and right. told Lori the story. I thought this is, this is funny because yeah. this is like, this could have been on TV and, and yeah would have won like emmys oh definitely like i mean <laughs> even i gosh just so many different things that if had we had the foreknowledge i mean we we wouldn't be or wouldn't have from point of when things you know <laughs> virally we would have yeah. been sensation stars i mean dude right lives were just different so than, i you know i think this is interesting to me and um Cause okay, so you 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 live with us for what like a couple of years, right? I mean, I don't remember. Everything oh, seems to blend together. But yeah, you, I don't know. It's like it's such a blur. I remember you like, went to the army afterwards, right? Is that yes. right? So I end up going into yeah, I was like enrolled in school, and then saw one of my buddies from high school, and him and his dad were he was like already kind of like in the army or whatever, and his dad was the recruiter. And then so out of that was like, you need to join the RB. And I'm like, I, you know, I got nothing to do, <laughs> All hey, right. whatever, you know? And so in that process of time, like it just transitioned to where it was like, I think, you know, I kind of like, I moved out and which was weird because I, I didn't move far. I was like staying with some friends from high school who were like <laughs> still over in this rougher part of Dell city. And then I was like working and transitioning into like waiting to go to basic and, I ended up, uh, you know, working at the mall and going to school and doing all that. So it was, I don't know, like I, I could not honestly, like you said, it's such a blur. I couldn't even tell you the time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, what I feel just in me naturally is that like, it feels like it was probably longer than it actually was. Oh, that's always how it is. Yeah. Maybe not always. I, I know what you're saying though. Cause it, cause you have experiences. I think that's what really does it. Right. You know, it's why relationships are so solid. And I, and I think this is a really key point. Um, you, you brought it up earlier about transition and why we were so close and yeah. over the years when I've always contended that, um, maybe not always, but I contend now anyway, <laughs> that relationships are made strong when you have shared experiences, mm-hmm. even if they're bad. Oh right? yeah, definitely. But the shared experience is so important. And this is why I think a lot of times marriages struggle because the husband and wife, um, they stop sharing experiences. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So well, what happens is they, they begin to have these separate lives, not even intentionally, because think about it. I mean, your jobs. We spend a third of our, well, really half of our waking day uh, at work. Yeah. And and maybe more than half in, in today's culture. So um, 
that's not a shared experience, right? So if you don't come home and talk about your day, if you don't share that with your spouse, you you really are alienating them on this one side of it. Even if like, man, when Lori talks about her job, I don't, I don't know those people. I mean, I know right. I know them now. She's worked there for a lot of years. But my point is like, it doesn't mean what it means to her. But that's not why you do it. You you listen to her because. You want to share the experience. And so when she starts to tell me a story, I can weigh in and say, wait, wasn't this the girl who blah, 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 Yeah, definitely. And so you have that and vice versa. She's in my life. And so, you know, a lot of couples don't do that. I don't want to talk about work. I just want to do my day. You know, they come home and they don't understand. That's a huge part of what grows your marriage, Um, even if it sucks. Oh, well, I mean, gosh, think about, I mean, not that I'm advocating for you know, like you said, the shared experience, gosh, like I never even looked at it like that, but think about people who in this world connect with other people, even if the connection should not be happening. Exactly. Sure. Or, or in certain things, you know, you think relationally and here's the other thing too, that so, uh, that experience of knowing a shared experience from, uh, life itself no matter how far back that experience was, mm-hmm. it really, I mean, it reminds me of like why so many people are friends with people from high school on Facebook. Right. And they'd never talk. Exactly. And you're like, dude, we, you know, we were 18 and doing things we shouldn't have been doing, sharing an experience. And now we're connected. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's been 15 years and it's like, I'll accept your friend request. Right. When it's like in high school, I couldn't stand you. Exactly. Exactly. But you, you, you share that. And it's like what we've been doing for 45 minutes here is we're essentially reminiscing, but in telling your story, we're talking about all these things. Most of the time when I have people on, I'm not part of their story, right? right. I'm just asking questions. Well, I'm a part of your story. And, and so for me, it's, it's, we keep going back to that. And what's great about it is, and you know, I've always said, if you have three points of connection, um, you know, like whether you work together or you go to church together or your family or, and then those shared experiences, you put all those things together and you create a lifelong bond. Oh yeah. And so, um, if I look at all of my relationships, it's without fail, those little increment or those little uh, ingredients are what has created. Cause like Tad Weimer is a great guy. I would call him right now. Tad is a great friend of mine. Tad and I haven't talked probably in a year and a half. Yeah. Right. But it's not because we don't like each other. We're busy guys. But when he calls or I call, which I'm terrible, he always calls. I'm the guy that sucks at keeping up with people. But when he calls, it's like, we never stop talking. Right. We just pick right up. Yeah. And the key to that is those shared experiences. And I think, this is what I think is so valuable about this and why I want to touch on this. We obviously live in a very, very socially charged world. Yes. So racially charged in the social world, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yes. You and I, to me, represent um, the hope of how this country should operate with each other. How often in our discussions does race come up? I mean, this might be the second time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, well, and it's like, I don't, it's weird because like in, in an intentional like yeah. way of like actually trying to poignantly like talk about something, I don't never. Ever. Right. I was going to say, I it's can't like, think of any time. Yeah. Because even, even in the story you told, race was never the factor. Right. It no. was the punchline so that it was the funny, yeah. so to speak, but it wasn't. It, there was no point to that other than that, you right. know? And I think that 
you know, I've had experiences in my life where, um, man, is I don't want to sound like I'm virtue signaling, so I don't even know how to say this in today's world. <laughs> I know it's like you you start to talk, and all of a sudden, it's like you hear the thought as it's rolling out, and you're like, "Wait, should I even say that? Can I say?" Yeah, because because so. that's you know that's not my goal here, but but I think my point is is that um, you and I have relationship based on what I just said, not on the color of my skin or the color of your skin. You're not my token black friend. Right, right. That isn't a thing. I don't I don't need to have that. Does that make sense? Like I was talking with a guy the other day. Um and and this has come up uh, a lot in ministry. I've heard pastors say this. And I want to get actually I want to get your take on this when we talk about. It, but I've heard pastors say they want more diversity in their church. Oh gosh. I know, right? <laughs> but it's your, I bet you love hearing that. So here's what I see when I hear that, right? What I see is especially for someone like you, if you go to the standard American church, that Mm -hmm. is what probably 70 to 80% white, if not more. Right. You go to that church. My guess is in today's world, you get really flocked to because they want to, they want to get a black person to go to their church. Is that fair or man? Um, just, I mean, growing up in church and then what you realize is, um, you become quite an anomaly. Number one, where um, if you are outside of stereotype and then, but then you're, because I am black enough of the stereotype that it's like you get put on display. Right. Because of it's like, look at what (laughs) he can do and it doesn't scare you. Type right. of thing. And so that's what's hard because, <laughs> I mean, gosh, I I mean, literally, okay, so we were, my wife and I, we were uh, involved in a church even just here recently. I mean, we made a transition earlier this year, not because of so much of it being a racial thing, but like I can look back and see certain things that I, I can't say that I don't think that they were intentionally motivated, mm. but I had relationships with people or connections with certain people, um, in the church, um, who are of a high level and stature within the church. And I built relationship with people because, um, we had a lot of common things between us. So out of that, it was someone who I'm geared towards being like, I want to be involved. Right. Um, I feel like I'm a high capacity leader. And so with that, like I I'll walk into a room and like when you grow up in church, you have a dad who's a pastor. Like you kind of learn, I say how to like navigate a room, but not like with, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, not a hunter's mentality type of thing, but you learn how to be in and around leadership. Right. So the old act like you've been here. Yeah. And so (laughs) when, when that happens and leadership takes notice of you, it just so happens, like I said, sometimes those things play to the benefit of what they need. Mm -hmm. And so when that would happen, gosh, I mean, I went from someone who was, when we transitioned in and did something by and large, like here's a story of something that happened to me. So, um, working and being a part of a church and, uh, doing some things, transition out of that, went back into just quote unquote civilian life workforce doing all that, but still having high level capacity level leadership in me, we end up at this church that we transition from and within gosh, 
a couple months of being there, a few months of being there, um, the pastor, an associate pastor, and another high-level leader and um, volunteer asked me to go on a trip with them. Mm-hmm. And they're and now, mind you, this at the time they're growing, but still a small church. Mm-hmm. There, we ended up in a life group, a circle, what you know, whatever people getting together outside of the regular Sunday. Mm-hmm. And in that transition, we end up learning that there were people who did not like us because I got asked to go on a trip and they'd been going there longer (laughs) than I'd been going there Mm. and did not understand. And then another person who straight up told me when I got asked, asked, Mm -hmm. not sought after, didn't go chasing something, wasn't like, let me throw my name in the hat on about doing video announcements. Mm. Hey man, you would be really great at this. Would you maybe consider doing it? I'd love to. Yeah. And just for those of you who don't know what Paul looks like, he is basically a male model. Uh, uh, Actually, I, I, not just basically. I mean, you functioned at that capacity at least once in your life, right? Yeah, I I, I have. Still do? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I did do a, uh, a, a what was it? A, a runway show once. Yeah. yeah. So. He's got that. He's got the look. Yeah. But not, anyway. Not anymore, but I did. <laughs> But no, and so that was the thing, like, um, when you, when you're a person who's willing to do something and, and I don't think the way people felt about it was, um, like I said, it wasn't a racial motivated thing. Mm -hmm. I can look back on it now and see like, man, oh, that, you know, it goes back to that territory stuff a little bit probably. Well, and then that's what, that's what was so difficult for us because we were like, you know, it's like, especially for my wife who is not African-American, you know, she's part Hispanic and, you know, Germanic, European and whatever. I don't know what her dad biological back, you know, is, but like, so you have that. And then it's like, why don't people like us? Mm. Or, you know, why can't we move in this circle? And it, and it was just like, it was weird. Like you said, some of it was that like the, the, you know, the whole territory real estate, like we were already here, but, People didn't realize not that he wouldn't have asked you to go on a trip. The reason why was number one, I was new. And number two, I knew people within his circle of like shared experience. Right. That those people they didn't, didn't know. even know. Right. So his connection to me is like, I mean, we literally have this conversation where he says to me, man, it's a small world after all, mm-hmm. and the church world is even smaller mm-hmm. because it was like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I remember, I mean, I told a story about the time I was in physical location of a church that was in Norman that just so happened. I, and I didn't know this. That I'm talking to the pastor being two, three months into this church that he was like, I grew up in that church. And I'm like, oh, well, wow. OK. <laughs> so I was like, so then, you know. And not knowing that he knows these people, I mean, because anyone could say they grew up in a church, you know, sure. that, that could mean Easter and Christmas, like, let's be real. Right. So, <laughs> but no, like his family were like staples in this church. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, at the the pastor at the time of this church, I knew the son and I was like, oh, well, then, you know, Ronnie. And he's like, uh, yeah, like, that's my dude. He's like my best friend. We well, went not, fishing yesterday. Not even that, but he was but like, yeah. he was like, like, like Ronnie was my youth pastor. And yeah. I'm like, oh, and I'm like, so then, you know, when Ronnie left and went to this big ministry, mm. then, you know, Tommy. And he was like, dude, like 
Tommy held the whatever of the night that like I basically got saved and I was like, well, okay, there it is. And yeah. I was, and so the connection of what we had based on shared experience mm-hmm. was just like, Hey, what are you doing next Wednesday? Yeah. But don't you, and, and this is the, the thing people are broken, right? So, right. so any, any adverse effect, we can talk about the motivation and I think that there's probably some relevance to that, but at the end of the day, um, people are insecure, right? They're insecure with who they are. They have, um, in a lot of cases, they have uh, guilt about their own thoughts. And, and I'll give you an example. I, I saw somebody during the George Floyd thing. I saw this girl post a white woman who said, I said girl because I've known her since she's a kid. But she posted that we need to, we being white people, need to apologize um, for our privilege or something something like that. You know, the, the social justice warrior mantra. And... And I started thinking, I thought, well, what am I going to, what, what is Jeremy Griffin going to apologize for? Like, what did I, what did I do? I definitely don't feel privileged. And what I mean by that is, is like, uh, I can't speak to anything except my own experience. Right. Right. I, for example, I have never even seen a picture of my biological father. Yeah. Okay. That's not privileged (laughs) to me. Right. Right. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and make a big thing of it, but my point is, is that we all have challenges in our life. Right. And so I thought, okay, what am I going to be sorry for? Is it the way that I've treated people of another race? Well, no, of course not. Like I don't have any, any recollection of anything like that. And then I realized something when you, when you hear people and and I'm, I'll be the same guy in this. So I talk about rest all the time, right? Yeah. Why do I talk about rest? Because it's the thing that I have the most difficult thing doing. Mm -hmm. Right. So pastors do this all the time. People who talk about identity struggle with knowing who they are. Come on. Right. People yeah. who, who, uh, you know, talk about, you know, well, just name it, whatever it is. Ministers especially tend to talk about the thing, their theme. Telltale signs. is Exactly. And so then it hit me. Why is this woman saying we need to apologize? We need to repent? Because she's racist. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like she has, whether she's ever acted on it. See, racism is not a an, an act. You can an act of racism is really the fruit of racism. It's not. Oh, right. Right. So, so I'm looking at it going, she, cause I think she's a sweet person. I can't imagine she's ever done anything racist, but I, I can't, when all of a sudden when I saw it in that light, I thought, well, man, she's probably just had some straight up racist thoughts, you know, like really judged people. Or, I mean, I don't even know what that really looks like, but, but I thought, well, that makes sense. And now all of a sudden you start putting the focus on things like that. You start lighting it up going, well, my gosh, like, where does that, where does it end? For example, you know, what I started to say earlier with all this, the stuff that had gone on, I started seeing pastors now, and I mentioned that term virtue signaling, um, wanting to make sure everybody knew that they loved black people. Oh, bro. <laughs> like yeah, right to the point of, it was so bad. I got a random text from a guy I know that's a pastor (laughs) group message and I I understood where he's coming from but at the same time it was like time frame socially what was going on and then it was like you made and here's the thing that was weird I'm transitioning out of like whether unbeknownst or whatever because and then stuff's going on out of this Mm -hmm. um they had just hired at the church and then the only other person who is 
uh, in this text message as a black man happens to be a well-known individual in the city who is married to a very lovely Asian lady mm. and has a beautiful family Love and is that like, guy. and like a brother to me. Yeah. So we're in this text message, right? And it was like, it was just the the most over the top of it was like, overt, wasn't it? Yeah, because it was <laughs> like, like hey, my bros from another mother and all this other oh, stuff. Oh, really? Like, oh, yeah. Bro. Wow. And I wanted to be, and it was just like, the heart behind it was, and what was funny is the person who is outright transitioning out is the only person who borderline did not respond with like <laughs> either just like a thanks and a thumbs up or like I I responded. Yeah. And, but it was like, I've, because here's the thing. I know that person well enough to know it's like, you're doing this out of some weirdness that mm-hmm. you feel like is called upon. And I said, and the only relationship you have is like, like I said, it's like someone's here, mm-hmm. someone uh, I'm there, but like, you don't know that I'm about to leave. And then the new guy. And it's like, you felt like this was the right thing to do. <laughs> right. And the right thing to do is just like, if we're in relationships, like, be you, man. you know, and, like I'll speak to this. Yeah. All that went down and I've known you for forever and never once did I have to like message you to be like, are you going to take this platform <laughs> right. and do something with it now? Because you know me and like, I, you know, I've been like a brother slash son to you or whatever. It was like, I, there are people, I, I never questioned this. My friend Chris, right. best friend, known him since I was six years old. My longest standing, you know, personal relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. And I never had to call Chris and say, are you going to use your platform to like rally for everyone that looks like me as your friend? Right. For people you don't even know. And that's the thing. And I'm not saying don't rally for that but if that's the only motivation that you will stand up, right? then like it begs the question, like, okay, what are we really dealing with here? Because now if I can prod you to do something, right. where's the genuineness? Dude, it's just like what I used to tell my wife. Every time she'd tell me, you never buy me flowers, I said, well, you just reset the clock because I'm obviously not going to buy them for you tomorrow. Right. Because there's the motivation. Or if I do now, Did, it's exactly. disingenuous. Exactly. Totally. And, and this is the funny thing. Like, you know, I think the first... Um, the first black person I had on the podcast was John Downing. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, cause, cause I love, man, I've, I've known John for a long time. And, uh, I was like, I don't even want, I don't want to talk about it because right. I don't want that to be the point. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and especially cause of the time, I mean, we were obviously closer to the incident because it was a while back, but, right. but it's like, and we, you know, it came up at some point. He brought it up because it was, uh, he was talking about Chadwick Boseman. Is that how you say his name? Chadwick Boseman, yeah. Yes, about him passing. It was about that time. Mm-hmm. And so he was, and he started with, as a black man, this is why this meant a lot to me. And that was the first time there was a distinction. Um, and so, so we ended up doing another podcast later where we talked about race. And I mean, we didn't really because it's so foreign for us to do it. It's as foreign as it is for you and I to do it that even the discussion just was like, well, this is weird. And we just, I mean, we didn't say that, but you know, we just talked about other things. Well, and I mean, here's something that like I can even speak to on something that like touches that base that it's remarkable because we live in a society in a world that says that like, as soon as someone 
does something um, that it's like there's some way that we have to attach ourselves to it, good or bad. Right. And so I made this statement when we were talking, uh, some guys at work. And I mean, I work in an environment that is, I work in maintenance and it's a very small department and it's just guys. Now, mind you, in that department of guys, there's four of us and our maintenance manager and our process engineer. I'm the only black guy. Mm. I never once go to work and think, in my department about the way I look. Right. And so we were having a conversation and I remember I said something about, um, heroes and we were talking about stuff and just people growing up. And because the world is so bent on what is now can't be touched based on people's humanity Mm -hmm. and their ability to either, you know, fail, fail horribly or, you know, be wildly successful. And so it was like kind of like right around that same time with Chadwick Boseman and some stuff that was going on. And we had this conversation. And I remember I just said something about like, man, um, such a great embodiment of a hero just in general. Because mm-hmm. I was like, man, for someone to be walking through something and, and nobody knows. And, and here's yeah. the thing. I said, when in the world have we had people who are celebrities able to keep their business their business right and i said so mind you i said if nothing else this year did for him was able to just like keep his nose you know keep himself focused on what he's doing but i made that comment and saying like for me it was different i said because i couldn't imagine knowing the kind of things i knew about the like now about the people that i grew up watching that were quote-unquote heroes Mm -hmm. segueing into i brought up bill cosby Mm. And then someone was like, they tried to act all shocked. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, what? And they were like, dude. Like, because come- of his charges or whatever? Yeah. And I said, mm. I said, here's the thing. I said, and they were like, like, he kind of jokingly was like, well, I guess, you know, the only, and this is what he said to me, the only positive uh, figure that probably like a lot of like people had. And I was like, what do you mean people? Like who? I was <laughs> like, you mean like the country or you mean like. You thinking like Bill Cosby being a dad in a in a story about black family that like that's all we looked up to was Bill Cosby. And it's like so we must all be so devastated (laughs) to find out that like Bill Cosby, you know, has issues. And I'm like, I don't care. He's a comedian. He has issues. Every comedian has issues. I mean, (laughs) Yeah. So um, just within all of that, it was, it was just funny how the conversation went from like, well, obviously like you can't still like think of him like that. And I was like, I can, because like my association to what like is tied to him has nothing. I said, and here's the thing. I don't personally know him. Right. I said, so what I, what I know of him. And I said, and then now we're talking about things that are coming out. I said, and here's the thing that, you know, the people have negative connotation of that or either number one who have an experience or something that that touches a vein with, mm-hmm. or the, the people who have said, that this happened to me and it's personal for them or other people who are trying to rally and they like, they're just, they don't have anything to base it off of except for it's like they're in the wrong. And I'm like, I'm all for let's go up against injustice, no matter who's doing the injustice. Exactly. But I said at the same time, like I can't discredit what people have brought. I mean that, I mean something right here may be controversial to say, (laughs) I'm going to say it. Here it goes. People honestly think Hitler was a horrible leader. 
It was a fantastic leader. He was he, a horrible human. Exactly. Yeah. So when when you're in when you're in a state where people want to polarize how good or bad you are based on your personal stance or convictions or you know moral high ground or whatever that may be or you know no moral high ground mm-hmm. at all that it's like it it may not change the reality of the things that like that you have that may be intangibles in who you are bill cosby a comedian someone who could make people laugh who could do whatever now whatever demons he faced on his own so like all that just to say when you're dealing with stuff like you said man if you're dealing with something man that's the first thing you're really trying to right you're trying to go after it Mm -hmm. and you're trying to make people and and so you know here's the thing i i think about that even with people who on some degree you know you you think about you know years later it's like people who want to be like well I've got issues with my mom because my mom never did all this or whatever. And I'm like, so either you, you have one or two things you can do with this. Like you can really deal with it, get you some help, counseling. There are great, you know, forums or whatever there is out there. Or you can continue being fake to your mom, secretly <laughs> hating her, never having a conversation. And if she's that horrible, then I just find I, I would tell you, like, honestly, um, if you can or find it within yourself to forgive what you can forgive and move forward. Because yeah. the last thing I want to do is like, I would prefer to surround myself with people who reveal their imperfections rather than be around people who fake their perfection. Right. Like all day long. So nobody on social media. Oh, <laughs> the, you know, what's so funny is like, I I've been off of social media um, and surprisingly, it's been the most wonderful thing. It's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> well, and just because it's like... It's a necessary evil for the world I'm in, and it frustrates me. You know how many times I've tried to get... In fact, you probably do because of friend requests that have come and gone and come and gone because I'm like, you know what? I'm done with this. And and I just get out of it and you're like, oh, this is great. And, you know, my wife's still on it. She She's not an addict in that way, you know, because right. there are people that are that way. And so she can just keep me updated on things that matter and... And that's it. Well, sure enough, then something about my career path is like, well, I got to get back on, you know, and, it's so and here's, the th- here's the thing that we, I think what it, just speaking to social media, cause, um, what we've done is we've not utilized it as the tool we've, right. we've, we've been driven by it thinking that it's become life. And then that becomes, you know, what we're dealing with is, it's my lifeblood. I, you know, that's why it's like, we talk about like kids who have the misconception that if I don't become a TikTok star, if I don't become, or if I, you know, if I'm not the next big, whatever, true story, knew a kid who by and large started getting on TikTok, doing some stuff and it grew and he was not trying for it. It was just, he was him and friends were making funny videos and whatever. And it grew there. And like so much so that like he got invited to like a comic con or something. Oh, wow. And it was like, they just want him to come out there and do videos and basically like sign people's t-shirts and whatever. And he was like, I don't have a manager. I don't have a, like, this is literally, I did this in my dorm room mm. and I think it grew to when he was pushing like 198,000 followers on TikTok and like 
a span of something crazy, like four to six months. Oh my gosh. Like it was so much. So he, okay. He wore some clothes that a friend of his took picture of him, kind of like Gabe does, you know, Oh, let's right. try, you know, to do, kind of build their little social following. So this friend who's a photographer took some pictures of them in downtown Oklahoma city and they're wearing, uh, clothes from PacSun. Mm-hmm. His following, it got so big from TikTok. Paxson recognized them. They stole the pictures, used the pictures, and then they did the whole like where you could shop the ad basically. And it was because they were all wearing like Paxson jeans and like a Paxson shirt or whatever. And his friends trolled Paxson <laughs> to get them to be like, give the photo cred and like say who the person is in the photo. Like you don't get to. And it was like, then like, I don't know that Paxson, I don't think they removed it. I think they end up giving them credit, mm. which then boom. Shoots they got off cheap because uh, copyright violation. Now, granted, if they took it off TikTok, there's probably no copy that like they own the copyright. But yeah, that, there's some hefty fees on copyright violation when you're talking about pictures. Well, and but here's the thing: the the uh, the photographer was someone who was like, "I bought a camera, I'll take pictures." Right. Yeah, exactly. Like so, he I'll has, do it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> he has no he has no like you know no LLC, nothing to stand right. on to really be like, "Hey, bro, like." run me my check. You know what I'm saying? Type right. of thing. And then out of that, his, like I said, his, so he saw it and what it ended up becoming for him became a little bit of a social dilemma. Mm. Cause he was like, I am not equipped and prepared for like, that wasn't the purpose of why I did this. And what's funny is now anymore, people are, they're trying to make it look that organic when it's not mm-hmm. by doing it intentionally. Oh dude, I, it, you can spot it a mile away and it may, it just frustrates me. It gets back to, you know, we talked about injustice earlier. It's almost the same kind of thing. Like to me, injustice is, is just, that, that's going to trick, trip my trigger. I right. mean, I'm going to go deal with that all day long. Um, but it does have to be personal, you know I mean? Like not, it doesn't say it have to be, it would have to either be explicitly just like totally awful or it has yeah. to be personal, yeah. one of the two. But but yeah, the, the and and again, authenticity is everything to me. So when when I see fake, fraudulent, like staged crap, you're like, that's oh, yeah. nope, nope, that's not real, man. <laughs> okay, so we are we are 13 minutes overdue. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got to come back. We got to just we just got to keep talking. Now I say that I'm just gonna all the listeners right now. Listen, if if this doesn't get you know like 15 downloads, well then. We'll come back, but we're not going to air it. We're just going to talk. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm a fan for it. Just let the tape roll. Like, you know, let life happen. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not a fan of editing. And if I just let the tape roll, daddy's got to do some editing. That's weird that I said it like that. <laughs> okay. You know what? That, that's, that's, it's, it's a reasonable place to stop, I guess, right there. <laughs> yeah. When you call yourself daddy. <laughs> That's definitely a reasonable place to start. Oh, my gosh. Paul, thanks for coming on Conversations. I'm always glad to be here. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, If you guys enjoyed this, uh, something wrong with you, but I appreciate that you're listening. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) God bless you guys, and we will uh, see you next time.